Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. The sleeping church has now mingled in the grace of God in Jesus Christ along with law or, or performance and expectation. And people just can't do it. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. I want to give honor to my lovely wife, Samiko Stroud, and my daughter, Jasmine, and my son, Nicholas. Thank God for them. To the angels of this house, the Armstrong family, let's give them a hand. Let's give them another hand. Wow. Wow. To all of you, to the wonderful praise and worship that we had just a moment ago. Let's give God a hand of praise for them. Amen. Wow. To the prayers, to all of you that are working in media now and ministry, this is just wonderful. I, I appreciate the Lord uh, for what he's doing right now in this house. And I just feel at home. And uh, I, I don't feel that way everywhere we go. I can tell you that now. I don't. And often during the praise and worship, let me just talk. Can I just talk to you just for a moment before we begin? Often during the uh, praise and worship, the Lord will let me know just how high I can go in service. I, I feel the ceiling. I, I feel the roof. And sometimes it's, uh, it's uh, disconcerting. Uh, I have a lot to pour out in a place, but if the roof is here, um, oh, I say, all right, Lord, then have your way, have your way. I'll do the, we'll do the best that we can here. Hallelujah. We'll do the best. But when there is an open ceiling, oh, I rejoice. My spirit man rejoices when there is an open heaven above a place. And I, I just praise the Lord for what he's going to do in this house even right now. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord in advance for the word coming forth without any hindrance of any kind. In the name of the Lord, I thank him for signs and wonders, for prophetic utterances, for words of knowledge that shall proceed today. Oh, this is just a wonderful thing. If you only knew what I knew. Praise the Lord. If you only knew what I knew. Your pastor is very prophetic. He has a very prophetic mantle on him. Uh, I'm sure you already know that. If you don't, now you know. Praise the Lord. Let me open this right quick. Hold on a second. Go ahead and give God a hand of praise for him. I'm telling you. Praise the Lord. All right. I just feel like a, a song or something. I just feel that on my heart. Don't run out of here, please. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. 
I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You hear, Lord, you hear. You hear, you hear. You hear. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your wonderful anointing that fills this place. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your presence. You know everything. And, Father, we ask you just to speak to us. Give us those words of wisdom, those prophetic utterances, words of knowledge, gifts of healing. Lord, shake the heavens above us. Shake the heavens. We appreciate you this morning. Yes. The brush of angels' wings, I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. One more time. As we were just praising the Lord, just worshiping him, I heard the Lord whisper to me that there's a promotion in store for you. I'm not sure whether it's uh, on the job or it's not very clear to me uh, whether it's in the spirit, but there is a promotion in store for you. And the Lord said, just now, just begin to thank him for it. Just begin to praise him for it. Begin to declare, I have my promotion. I have my promotion. I have my promotion. Because there are some things that the Lord wants you to correct, but you won't be able to do it unless he gives you a voice, a, a certain position, a little bit higher than where you are, a little bit higher. He'll give you a voice. He'll give you an opportunity to, to stand a little bit higher over the others so that you may enforce God's will, so that you may speak a word and bring correction because there are some wrong things that are going around in some place and he's chosen you to speak into the lives of the people in that place. 
So just begin now to thank him for promotion. Begin now to thank him for rage. Begin to thank him now for increase. Because the Lord surely says that as of this moment, he sends forth the angels to speak to those, to the powers that be, to release that unto you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. Go ahead and give him a praise for that. I'm telling you. Woo. I thank the Lord for it. Well, I'm ready to go ahead and get into the word. Go to the book of Luke, the ninth chapter. Luke 9. Luke 9. Luke 9. And uh, this is some very familiar uh, scripture that the Lord has given and um, I know that your heart will be ready to receive I'm going to read to you verses 27 through verse 36 and we're going to glean out of the word of God today because this church has an assignment you're not just meeting on it on Sundays just to be meeting on Sundays you have an assignment you have a purpose and part of my assignment my assignment here today is to give you information, to give you revelation, give you an understanding, give you clearer direction as to where the Lord is taking you in this next realm as the Lord uh, brings forth revival, uh, even in this church and in your homes and in your community. Because this church is meant to effect a change. Uh, first, of course, in this building, your homes, hallelujah, then into the community, to this city, to the city of Jackson. This church is meant to bring an impartation to the city. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Your pastor is a prince of the city. He's a prince of the city. In other words, God has given him authority in the city of Jackson. He's a prince of the city. So when he speaks a word, you'll see that begin to manifest outwardly. Uh, and what's going to happen is God's going to elevate your pastor even more so. And uh, favor, uh, favor, I see favor uh, with the... Uh, with the mayor and the other, some other city officials, as God will begin to elevate you and give you a voice in their hearing. Amen. A voice in the hearing. Give God praise for that. I'm telling you, you'll see it. You'll begin to see that come to pass. There's an elevation. So there's promotion over here, and now there's elevation. I'm telling you. Luke 9, verse 27. It says, But I tell you, I tell you of a truth. There uh, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Verse 28. We're really starting here. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings. Uh, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, verse 31, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, uh, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Verse 32, and Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And, and when they were awake, they saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed uh, from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, 
one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, or that is to say, Elijah, uh, not knowing what he said. Verse 34, while he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. I want to speak to you briefly from the subject of taken to a higher place. Taken to a higher place. I hear that, Lord. Let's look again at verse number 29, or rather verse 28. Now, as is our custom, I'll read to you the scripture, then we'll go line by line, and I want to show you some things that we're going to glean out of the word of God that's going to take you to a higher place. Notice something in verse number 28. The Bible declares that it came to pass in the the eight days that followed, eight days after. Now, this is, of course, talking about uh, eight days after uh, Peter, the father had given Peter the revelation of who Jesus is. I know you were, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus said, well, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven, you have the revelation of who I am. All right. Then they go a little bit further, but it says after that time, uh, that the Lord took, say took, the Lord took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain up to a, a higher place. Now he did that for a reason. The last two words of that verse tells you to pray. He took Peter, James, and John up to a higher place to pray, to commune with God. Now, I want to show you something here. It is, uh, there are three times in Scripture in which the Lord took Peter, James, and John with him to a special place to see something special. We know one, uh, the Lord took Peter, James, and John up to uh, Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter was, was sick and she was ill and uh, she actually died. He took Peter, James, and John there. The other course was here at the mountain, what we call Mount of Transfiguration. And the third was there at the Garden of Gethsemane. He took Peter, James, and John in to the garden to pray. He said, pray, at least you enter into temptation. And I asked the Lord, Lord, why do you always just take these three? Yes, I know that they are the beloved disciples, but why do you always just take these three? Now, the answer to that question is startling. You want to know what that answer is? To find out that answer, the Lord took me to the Greek, and, we, and he defined uh, what those names actually meant. Of course, Peter means rock, and John means Jehovah is a gracious giver, and James means supplanter. Supplanter means simply uh, to take the place of another as through force or strategy to replace one with someone else. In other words, the Lord said that I always take the three of these men with me to show you, the church, uh, the three things that he was going to do. To show his different side, so to speak. You see, at J.R.S.'s house, he showed, he showed grace. Well, that was John. Because everybody laughed at him, laughed in the scorn and wanted to kick him out. They, Jesus said, she's not dead, but she is sleeping. And the Lord showed himself as gracious. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord showed himself uh, as a rock, as Peter, right? He would not be moved. He would not be moved. 
that he said, let not my will be let your will be done, Father. He would not be moved. He was the rock. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, he showed himself as the supplanter because it was he that showed himself to be the true son of God, the Messiah that will come to take away the sins of the world, the one that would come to take our place. He violently or with force took our place where we should have been hanging there on the cross. But Jesus came and took our place. Now, if you see a great, great picture here developing, because as the Lord Jesus was there with the three disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, the Lord Jesus standing. And, of course, two men stood by him, one on his left and one on his right. Also giving you another indication of what's going to happen soon as they begin to sp uh, speak about his departure. Because pretty soon the Lord Jesus was going to be between two other men on a cross. Uh, somebody's going to get that. And so he was showing himself, giving events or snapshots or pictures of things that he was about to do in the earth realm. And he was showing it to us today. Now the Bible says in verse number 28 that he was going, he sent them up or he took them up to a higher place to pray, to commune with God. And now look at verse 29. It says, and as he prayed, something's wrong here. He brought with him Peter, James, and John. But it says in 29, as he prayed, as he prayed. Now we see in verse number 32, it says, uh, but Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. Hallelujah. Now we know in just a little while, they're going to be heavy with sleep again when Jesus takes them to pray. Are you with me? But now here's Jesus praying. Now I want you to catch this scenario. Catch what's happening here. Now, he took them up to a higher place because he's going to show them something. He's going to reveal who he really is. He's going to turn up his glory, so to speak. And he wants them to see who he is. The father had revealed it to them, revealed it to Peter. And they were around at the room and they heard and, and believed. Yes, sure, we believe that you are the Christ. But now the Lord's going to manifest it. He's going to show it. He's going to show it right before their faces that I am the son of the living God. Hallelujah. So now he's going to reveal that to him. But look at verse 29. It says, and as he prayed, listen, as Jesus prayed, uh, the fashion of his countenance was altered. Countenance means face. His face began to change. It began to glow. Now, I love the way the King James said uh, it began to alter. It began to change. It began to transform. The Lord began to transform right in front of them. Now, this was going on while they were sleeping. Understand this. This gives a picture of the sleeping church. As the church sleeps, the face of the Lord is changing. His glory is changing. The face represents my direction. It tells you where you're going. It also gives you an indication about what's happening in someone's heart. If I look at you like this, you about know what's going on in my heart. If I look at you like this, hey, I'm glad to see you. You know what's going on the inside by that face. Isn't that right? So the face of God was changing and they were asleep and couldn't see that Jesus was changing right before them. His face was changing and the Bible says that his clothes were white and glistering. That means his clothes uh, were so white it was like lightning. As white as lightning. Anybody look at lightning before you see it shine? I mean it's extremely bright. Catch the picture now. The three sleep. Jesus still praying while they're asleep. 
And all of a sudden, his face changes. The glory begins to show up in his face. And his clothes now are white as lightning. And they're asleep. And while he, while they're still asleep, uh, here comes uh, Moses and Elijah talking with him and having a conversation with Jesus while they are still asleep. Something is going on in the heavenly. Something is going on in glory, and they don't even know what's happening. Well, we can see the same picture there with Jacob. Jacob was asleep on a rock, and, and, and he dreamed that in his dream he saw angels ascending and descending. And he woke up and said, I didn't even know that this was the place of God. I didn't even know that this was a gate of heaven. I did not realize while you were sleeping, a lot of things went on. Are you hearing what we're saying to you? A lot of things is happening now while the church is sleeping. Jesus is changing. His face is altering. His glory is shining. His methods are changing. Now let's look a little bit further. He's talking to these two men. And uh, they're talking about what Jesus is about to do there at Calvary. They're talking about what he's about to go through. He's about to lose his life. He's about to offer, rather, offer his life up for the sins of the world. So they are talking with him. Now, after they finish their conversation, now we see this mental picture here. The Lord Jesus here is speaking and, uh, or talking to Moses and Elijah. And they are down there snoozing. I mean, they're cutting up some logs pretty good. And so after the conversation is over... Peter's the first one up. Oh, it was a good sleep. And they open their eyes and they see, wow, Jesus has changed. He doesn't look like he did when I first went to sleep. Now he has changed. His face is glowing. He, his clothes are white as lightning. And we can discern by the Spirit of God that there is Moses and Elijah standing with him. Wow, what a sight. And now the three of them are just taken back. Woo! Look at this. Can you imagine seeing that? Here's Moses, the giver of the law, uh, representing law and performance. And, and, and here, here is Elijah over here uh, representing the prophets or, or things to come. Or we can say visions or expectations. And, and they're, seeing the, they're seeing these three and Peter is blown away. But like what Peter often does, he puts his foot in his mouth. Right in his mouth. Verse 32, as they began to wake up, and, uh, and they, the Bible says that they saw his glory. And the two men stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed. Now, uh, this is kind of a, a sci-fi uh, type thing here. I, I, I can imagine this on some of the movies that we've seen. Uh, take a hold of this. Uh, here's the Lord Jesus. And the disciples are down there. They're looking up. Wow. Look at what's going on. And now Moses and Elijah are, are about to depart. I can see them turning and sort of fading out. You know, in the glory. Can you see that? You know, kind of. And so. And so now they're gone. And Jesus is still standing there. Glory still. I mean, still like lightning. White. Whoo. You know, his, his face just glowing with the presence of God. And Peter begins to say something. What does he say? Oh, glory to God in the highest. Woo, no. What does he say? Now, his answer is the answer of a sleeping church. Right. Now, listen to this. Right. He says, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Okay, stop right there, Peter. Shut up. Don't say another word. Stop. 
But he says, let us make three tabernacles. In other words, let us make three dwelling places. Amplified Bible says, let us make uh, three huts. Or, or, and, and I love um, the, way, uh, the way some Bible scholars say, let us make three memorials here. Let's make a memorial. Uh, one for you, Jesus. Yeah, we'll have you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Lord, you be right here, okay? And uh, with Moses, we'll go right there. And uh, oh, oh, and Elijah's will go right here. I mean, Peter's gone. He's already decorating the place. Are you with me? Let's make three houses, three memorials. Let's remember this moment, the moment when Jesus was standing with Moses, and the moment he was standing with Elijah. Woo! And he's all excited. He wanted to remember that moment that Jesus was seen with law and prophecy or with performance because the law is all about performance. You've got to do right in order to be accepted. Here's Jesus standing with performance. Here's Jesus standing with prophecy or things to come or things that we can expect in the future. Expectation. Let's take a snapshot of Jesus standing with, standing with performance and standing with expectation. And this is what the church, the sleeping church, wants. They want to keep Jesus right in the middle. And when people come in the doors, we shackle them with law. Click. And we tell them what you can do and what you cannot do in order to be accepted by Jesus. And we tell them that... We expect this from you you better stop your smoking you better stop this you better stop your drinking you better stop this you better stop that we expect a lot of you as a matter of fact we expect so much out of you that we cannot do it ourselves but we really expect this out of you here's a shot click and so the church the sleeping church has now mingled in the grace of God in Jesus Christ along with law or, or performance and expectation. And people just can't do it. Just can't do it. They say, preach, I couldn't do it out in the world. That's why I came to the judge. I realized my life was messed up. That's why I came to church. And now that I'm in your church, I still can't do it. There was a story about a young man who was just trying to find acceptance all the days of his life. He couldn't find it at home, so he joined a gang. And he, and he got in the gang, and they told him that in order for you to be accepted with us, you've got to wear these clothes. You've got to wear this kind of hat. You've got to wear this jewelry. You've got to talk like this. You've got to do this, and you've got to do that in order for you to be accepted with our group, right? You got to commit uh, these type of uh, uh, crimes. And if you kill someone, that'll really be a plus. You got to get this uh, type of tattoo, wear this and that. And then when you do all of these things, when you look like us, you can be a part of us. Well, the young man said, okay. I'll do that. I'll wear my pants down so you can see my underwear. He said, I'll wear these kind of shoes. I'll, I'll have the tattoo. I'll wear the jewelry. And I'll say, oh, ho, 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 ho. You know, everywhere I go, I'll turn my music up so loud that it's deafening to me. And I'll fit in with your group. Well, he did it. And for a minute, he did fit in. But he realized that there's still something wrong, something missing in his heart. So he said, I, I'm going to go to church. And so he goes to church and he, he pimps in church, you know, 
He throws his pimp on, and he comes in church, and he goes down to the altar, and he gives his life to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that is wonderful. Until brother so-and-so gets to him and say, well, brother, if you want to be like us, you got to wear this tie. You got to wear this suit. You got to have this Bible. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this and that and the other. And so he's left one to come to the other. And he's still bound up. Still bound. He has seen law. He has seen expectation. But nobody has shown him the grace of God. Wow. Grace. 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 It used to be a time that Jesus was enough. When you came and really gave your life to the Lord, I mean, when people really repented and they were converted, the Holy Spirit began to change us on the inside. And we decided, hey, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And the Holy Spirit began to guide us into, and lead us into all truth and even show us things to come. But what has happened, the sleeping church has lost faith in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That he has the ability to actually change lives. Can I get a witness in here? Hallelujah. And so Peter says, let's take a snapshot, Lord. And let's set that snapshot on the wall and call it doctrine. And Peter's going off, man. He's going on. He's on a tangent. Now, Peter is the leader of the church. Jesus said, hey, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys. So he is leading the church, leading James and John. And he's about to go back down the mountain with this new revelation. Hey, this is what we got to do. But before he can do that, God said, oh, I better step on in here. I'm going to correct something here. Now understand that that was the first dimension here. Let's go to the next one. And it says here, uh, verse number 33, and it came to pass that, uh, okay, that they departed, you know, of course, Moses and Elijah, they're going off the scene. And Peter began to babble the babbling preaching. He says all that. And in verse number 34, it says, while he thus spake, while he was talking, just babbling on from his pulpit, because now it's a doctrine. Can you, can you go with me? Can you understand this? While he was yet babbling in his pulpit about things that he really didn't understand. Things that he saw but he could not comprehend. He was just a talking and a talking and a talking and a talking and a talking. While he yet, while he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. Oh, this is thrilling, isn't it? And there, and they feared as they, uh, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. So while he was going on, going on, going on, what was happening, uh, a cloud, God's glory. Can you imagine a thick fog beginning to descend? Now here's the next dimension of the church. Uh, are you with me? While he's talking, talking, God's doing things. And it is surrounding them. All around, God's glory is descending. His presence is descending upon the church. And it says, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. Now, they didn't have a choice whether they entered into the glory or not. God was present. Are you with me? So fear came upon the church. Now, here's the next dimension. Fear comes on the babbling church. The fear of God. 
Now we're not talking about a, a, a Freddy Krueger fear or a Jason fear. We're not talking about that. Are you with me? That's not the type of fear we're talking about. But we're talking about the fear and the reverence and the respect of God. Hallelujah. When you know that God is in the place. Hallelujah. Not even talking about the preacher fear. People see me coming around. They, they know that I'm a preacher. If they're doing something wrong, they're... Hey, Pastor, how you doing? Why are you hiding it from me? God was there when you went to the store and bought it. <laughs> Why are you trying to hide from me? I got nothing. Oh, she's just, she just my friend, Pastor. She just, you know. And why you don't lie to me? I, I, I have no keys to heaven. I have no keys to hell. I'm only here to help you to be a sign point, a sign post point to the Lord. He's that way. <laughs> That's all I can do is tell you, he's that way. And if I can be a good signpost, I would have done my job well. There he is. That's all I'm called to do is to tell you. There he is. He can help you. I can't. He can. Are you with me? And so we see that the glory overshadowed them. And they feared. The fear of God returns to the church. Hold the day that we enter into his presence with fear, honor, respect. And we know that he's here. Nobody has to threaten us, but we feel God. We fear God. We move in a reverence because we know he's here. Isaiah was in his presence and said, oh, I am undone. Oh, when you see holiness and you see what is right, fear comes upon you. The fear to get right. You know the same fear that comes upon you when you, when you know you're driving a little bit faster than you're supposed to drive and you see a cop on the side of the road. Whoa, fear Fear comes, fear comes. And you know, I've got to get right. And as long as I'm doing right, you know, I don't fear judgment. Are you with me? The fear of God is here. I move in a reverence of the things of God. All right, let's go to the next dimension here. And it says, and there came a voice out of the cloud. Now God is speaking. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him or obey him. Discern what he's saying. Do what he says. God says that. So, in the last dimension we saw, first dimension we saw them sleeping. Snoring, sawing logs, having a good time. They woke up and they saw something. And they took a snapshot. Let's have a memorial right here. One for you, Jesus. Uh, we're going to put you first, Lord, right? Okay, yeah. One for you and Moses and Elijah. Let's do that. And now as they're going on, God descends and fear comes upon them and they shut their mouths. They're not talking anymore because the fear of God has the presence of God has made the babbling preacher shut up. And so the Lord gives this, gives the church then instruction. Now, and, and I love the way it says also in the book of Mark, the ninth chapter and in Matthew, the 17th chapter, as it brings about the same account. It says that they fell on their faces. Here's the dimension that we're in now. When the church falls on their faces. And we're on our face before the Lord. Surrounded by his glory. Hearing the voice of God. We are warriors, fighters, set, setting for battle. Setting for battle. Now we're not babbling or just trying to build something that Jesus, that Jesus has not said. Right. Jesus is not talking. Peter's talking. So before Peter can take over the whole thing, God steps in. 
and says, hear Jesus. Not Moses, not Elijah, not performance, and not expectations. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. Understand performance and expectation can cripple or suffocate you. It can cripple or suffocate a marriage. Couples go into uh, marriage with expectations. The man expects his, his, his bride to be like mama and the, and the bride expects the husband to be like daddy. They, they go in with the examples that they have followed. And my wife and I got married over about 17 years ago. Yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> we also have those expectations of one another. And uh, we can also have expectations upon ourselves that can cripple us. We are, we can, if we are performance based with ourselves, when we don't do what we think we should do and how we should do it, we drag our own selves down. But the Lord stands in the middle and proclaims grace. So here's the church and we're just about finished. They're in a place where they have their faces down and the glory of God is surrounding them. And they're hearing from God. And the father says, hear my son. Obey him. Do what he says. Trust in him. Because understand, in just a little while, they're about to rise up from that place. And the Bible says here that the Lord Jesus touched them. And they, they brought their head up and the Lord said, fear not. And when they looked up, they only saw Jesus. They saw Jesus only. They just saw grace. They just saw grace. And with that power, with that revelation, they go back down the mountain. And the first thing that they encounter, they encounter, uh, we can say it this way, they encounter a parent that's having problem with his wild child. Now this speaks about a generation. Because as they're down the mountain, the other disciples are trying to cast out a devil out of this young, young man. And, and the father says, well, often he, 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 the spirit throws my son in the fire or, and uh, he tries to kill him. And, and, and I, I asked your disciples to do something about it. I asked these other preachers to do something about it. I asked the, uh, the other church uh, to do something about it, but they couldn't do anything about it. In other words, I've asked these other churches to help me with my son. My son, who always puts himself in danger, even though I tell him not to, he won't listen to me. He always goes down and does the wrong thing, goes to the wrong places. He just won't listen. And I take him, I took him to every church I could find, but he just won't listen to them. You know what he needs? The power of God. Because these three, Peter, James, and John, have just had an experience. And they have seen God. They've heard God. And it's them, as they came down the mountain with the Lord Jesus, they came down the mountain after hearing from God under the anointing of his spirit. And they came down, uh, they came down with the power of the spirit of God. And now the Lord Jesus approaches the situation and he deals with it and the spirit is cast out. Are you with me? What they need is the power of God. Not necessarily more preaching, although that is good. That is wonderful. We come in this place to be taught. But as we leave out this place, we leave out with the power of God. It is the power of the Lord that will effect change. It is the power of God. We need to hunger and thirst for the power of God, for his presence. It is his presence that will change and alter the situation. Now, you will never win someone by argument. 
You'll never win someone to Christ by arguing with him, by showing them your Bible. But you will by showing them the power of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you there. Understand something, and we're, we're actually coming to a close even right now. Let me tell you where we are at this moment and in this house and what the Lord has, has commissioned this house to do and you in this house to do. It's to do four things. One, get into his presence. Give yourself away. Labor, for, labor before his presence as, you, as your face is before the Lord and let him minister to you. In that secret place, whether it's early in the morning or, or late at night, doesn't matter what time it is. As long as you spend that time with him, with the intent of receiving from him and you giving to him. There's a transaction that is there. And great fear will come upon you. And that fear will uh, reverberate through your home. And then from there, you'll find it also in the church. Because before the Lord created the church, he, he ordained the family. The family was the first institution. So the power of God is to be seen anywhere. It is to be seen first in your home. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. As we have in our homes with our wives, our children, and grandchildren. As we have Bible study in our homes. And as we believe God for his presence to reign in our homes. And that presence overflows out of our front door into the doors of the church. Hallelujah. Now we can see that also in the negative. If there's a bunch of whoever going, whatever at home, you know what I'm talking about, you know. A bunch of stuff going on at home, and we're bickering and fighting at home, and we're bickering and fighting in the car, and we bring it right on in the church, and we say, ooh, I just can't feel the Lord today. I just, I just can't, something's wrong, saints. Let's plead the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Somebody's brought some bad spirits up in here today. Isn't that right? So we can see it to the negative. But can you see it to the positive? As each home takes responsibility, each family takes responsibility to bring in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's going to start there in your home. Revival will start there in your home. When the husband tells his family, tells his wife and the children, hey, we're going to praise God today. We're going to lift him up today. We're going to anoint our home. Whether you have a, a piece of paper that says you're a minister or not, it has nothing to do with it. But you take the oil. Go to, is there a Piggly, Piggly Wiggly around here somewhere? There's a Piggly Wiggly, okay. Go to Piggly Wiggly. You buy you some oil. And uh, you pray over it and ask your pastor to pray over it. Hallelujah. You take that oil home with you and you anoint your family. Praise the Lord. As the priest of your home. You anoint your family. You anoint your home. And you ask the Lord for his presence to fill your home. Hallelujah. And you continue to do that. And you're praying and exalting the Lord. You'll see you will change. Your children will change. Hallelujah. Your home changes. Your workplace will change. Everywhere that you will go will change. But the breakdown is that we expect, well, pastor going to pray for us. Well, pastor's going to bring an anointing. We'll just sit back in and watch. You go ahead, pastor. You go, you go ahead and do all the work, Pastor. You go ahead. But what will make the church really stand out more is when every one of us takes responsibility for revival. That's right. yes. You want to make your pastor happy? Tell him that you had Bible study last night. Hallelujah. 
Tell him that you were you, you feasted over the word that he gave last Sunday morning. Pastor, I'm still in what you said. It was I, I, I saw it. I saw it a different revelation, a different light. Wow, Pastor, I didn't really see that last Sunday, but when I heard the message again, I heard the CD again, I really got more out of it. You feast around the word of God. And I'm telling you, it will create a change and true deliverance. Well, let's all stand to our feet in the name of the Lord. The Lord desires to take you up to a higher place. He desires to take you up to a higher place, to a higher stand with him. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org.